3: Ladies and gentlemen, hello. It's a special bonus episode of 100 Words or Less. And obviously, I'm Ray Harkins, hanging out with you to bring you this uh, this van chat. So, let's set the stage. I, anytime I say, let's set the stage, I just want to start singing the Warriors. Set the stage, the ambush begins. Anyways, <laughs> that's, a, that's a deep reference for those of you that uh, pay attention to the Warriors. But anyways... So most of you probably know that I sang slash sing for a hardcore band called Taken, and you've heard me reference it many times, and I try not to be so self-indulgent as use this thing as a promotional platform for all of the things that I do. I don't want to, I just don't like to cross the streams too much, but because we are releasing a new EP on April 27th, it's the first time that we've put out new music in 14 years, which is insane. I have to. I have to be a little self indulgent, you know. So that that is what this thing is. But it is. It was recorded back in December. We did a like four day tour up in Canada with our friends and counterparts and end. And then we also played a show with our buddies and Alexis on Fire. And it was a it was a really cool experience. But what I wanted to document was a a van ride. Even though technically it wasn't a van, it was a, a large SUV. <laughs> but I wanted to have a discussion with the rest of the guys in my band uh, Just, you know, something serious, some things not so serious Why people continue to care about playing music And I just think it was a really, uh, it was a cool conversation it was a, it was a slice of life It hopefully gives you a little more insight to uh, not only me as a person But then the rest of the guys in the band And kind of just, you know, where we all are at as adults You know, most of us are in our late 30s And uh, some of us are early 40s, and it's like, you know, we don't need to be doing this anymore, but we love it so, so much. And the ability for us to get out there and play shows and release new music is, uh, it's really, really, really awesome and humbling. And I I can't, I I just really can't put into words what the experience is. And so, uh, but anyways, yeah, I wanted to document this chat, and that's exactly what we did. So... We have uh, our drummer Troy, our guitarist Eric, our guitarist Chad, and then our bassist. Normally is Nick, but uh, he was on tour with his uh, other small band, Circus Survive. <laughs> jokes, jokes. Circus Survive is clearly a large band, but he was on tour with Circus Survive, so he could not join us for these Canadian shows. So our good friend Martin, uh, who I've played in bands with for a long time as well, he filled in for us, and it was really, really fun. So. Hopefully this chat will uh, be kind of like, you know, just being a fly in the wall or a fly in the van or a fly in the SUV. (laughs) And you can uh, get to know a little bit. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to play one of the new Taken songs off the new EP that's coming out on the 27th of April. And we're also playing a show at Chain Reaction in Anaheim on May 12th. If you are in the Southern California area, I would love for you to come out. I would love to hang out, meet you, say what's up. Or if I know you, please come okay (laughs) but we're gonna play a song called regret the whole ep is about um the journey that i went on as my wife was diagnosed with cancer and her battle with it and frankly her continual battle with it because she's still in the process of uh checking it out and making sure that she is remaining healthy and all in the clear so anyways it's a real uh yeah it was it's still heavy and it's still something that is always in my mind but uh, i'm just grateful to be at the position that i am at now and uh, i'm so glad that she is there with me as opposed to not being here so anyways here's a song it's called regret it's coming out on other people records who are just some of the best human beings around and uh yeah here that is and then here's the van chat and then i'll talk to you in a couple days when we release the quote-unquote normal episode so here we go enjoy are driving from Montreal to Toronto and I wanted to capture this moment in time and um, you know hang out hang out with the bros and talk about you know band stuff life stuff so uh, I want all of you fine human beings to
4: introduce yourselves so everyone can differentiate your voice hey I'm Chad uh, guitar player in Taken this is Eric I play guitar
5: this is Martin. I'm the scab bass player. <laughs>
6: this is Troy. I play the drums. Spectacular.
3: The uh, the reason I wanted to do this was because, I mean, you know, clearly we've known each other, all of us, for many, many years, but there's very rare opportunities that you're able to actually discuss kind of, you know, the reasons why you... Either like to stay involved, like to still be creative and play music, like to play live, that sort of stuff. So that's kind of the uh, the table setting in which we will approach this this beautiful uh, conversation. So the first thing I wanted to ask you, dudes, is the um, like what <clears throat> what do you personally get out of you know playing live? Like, what do you en- do? You enjoy that, or is that like your least favorite thing about playing in a band? Like, where does your head? Sit at in regards to that stuff. Whoever wants to answer first, or or no, or no one can. It's fine. It. It's a really short podcast. I'll do it.
4: Um, yeah, so I really enjoy it. It's I don't know. It's it's different because, like last night, for example, you see a band that plays before us, and there's like a ton of people there. I think it's like a mixed bag of emotions all the time. You see a ton of people there and then people leave and then we play and it sort of gets to you a little bit but I think in like overall playing live is incredible and getting to see people's reaction and people that actually like give a shit about your music is pretty amazing especially being able to come you know to another country and people actually care and sing along and genuinely like give a shit about what we're doing is pretty cool. So yeah, I think it's definitely a, a fun part of the process. Yeah, it's it's something that I noticed that
3: well I I've, I've said this often about our band, but then also, you know, you see many other bands that fall into this category that, you know, clearly were never quote unquote popular or huge, but people get them. And I don't think anybody looks at taken and is like, other they're like, they're okay. People are either, you know, super passionate about it or just don't like us. And I, I personally like, like being in that position because you're actually invoking a response from people as opposed to being just kind of a, a run of the mill band, you know? And, uh, yeah, I, I, agree with your sentiment that Chad of it feels, You know, it feels uh, weird when it's just like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we're not as popular as this band or like there's not as many people that care about what it is that we do. But I think the notion of us obviously not having to do this from a business perspective and earn money off of it, it, you know, alleviates that a lot to where it's like, you know, we don't have to worry about that. It's not like, oh, my gosh, like everybody left and we're not going to make any money and I can't pay my rent, you know?
4: Yeah. Yeah. I think the people that they get it, get it. And they're, and it's like, it's more, it's better for us anyway, because I think I'd rather have less people there. Like, even if we had like five people in the room that really, really love what we're doing, I'd rather have that than like a head full of rooms or a, room a room full, of full of heads. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that would be weird. Right. The opposite. Um, which we've actually done that right we've played like super huge shows with people that look bored Uh, (laughs) and it's just it's not fun so yeah yeah, I think that way I'd rather have it the opposite for sure what about you Eric what do you what do you got Um, yeah
7: I love playing live Uh, it's always like super nerve wracking at first but you know once we get started it just reminds me of why I love doing this and it's pretty much the best feeling Ever it's just having people enjoy the music and looking around at all you guys going crazy and
3: it's the best. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel cool to be because um, uh, you know everyone, at least from my perspective, in this band and you know many other bands is like you're own, you're in your own kind of world and universe, but it takes a certain Uh, time together to be able to be in that world because you know when you're just starting off playing in a band like all you are all you're doing is kind of like looking at each other to make sure you're like actually playing the song right (laughs) or like getting through it but then like the space that you get into where you are in your own universe but you're all this cohesive unit it feels it it feels weird like in the best way possible it just feels so um yeah cohesive to the point where it's like you know i could like i could be in a different room from all of you and like we would be able to do what we do um i mean yeah it might be a little bit harder in certain aspects but like just to have that cohesiveness is is it's crazy i just don't know many other people that can experience that collectively as they're creating art you know what about you martin
5: I think that the uh, the coolest thing about playing live at this stage in our lives is like you were saying there's no pressure there's no um, illusion of grandeur there's no like trying to get on these shows or these tours or we got to do this and we got to like please so many people and this and that it's kind of just hey it's purely for fun there's no stress it's just let's just have fun and, and get those good feelings like we used to have back in the day and I think it's even better because we know that hey we're just doing this for fun and we get to go home and go back to our families and our normal lives and it's it's just all good. I think it's a cool. I prefer that sort of scenario more than, you know, back in the day when we we're trying to like go full time and do as much as humanly possible and gone away from home all the time. And you know, I think uh, I like this setup a lot better.
3: Yeah. The uh, before we pass it to Troy, there was something I wanted to drill down with you on, Martin, because like you know, you and I played in Makoto together, and clearly you are in the Taken universe very closely as well and something i always reflect on where with makoto we were you know we were writing music that we wanted to but we were definitely writing music of the moment you know and um i'm not saying it was disingenuous what we were doing but we were definitely existed in a space in which um you know that you know the singing screaming style of music was in in immensely popular and you know makoto does not have the same you know uh relevance or resonance as you know taken does you know anytime anyone brings up makoto to me i'm like for real rick like and not in a not in like you're stupid i can't believe you liked our band but like i just reflect on that sort of duality of really because we were i mean we were really focused on trying to like make this our thing you know and i uh you know there there were certain elements i was like oh I, I wonder if we approached it in a different way would we have gotten well we probably would have gotten different results but i don't know if you thought about that at all oh I mean, absolutely okay i think that even when we were in the band
5: there was a part of me that was like yeah sure like i like this kind of more catchy part and with the singing and this and that and then the other side of me is like, man, I just want to either go heavier or darker or whatever it may be, but that, you know, quote unquote, didn't fit into what we were doing, you know, maybe with some of the other guys in the band. And it was just kind of like, I always felt like that's to some degree I was settling for certain parts of songs, you know. It's like I was never fully stoked on everything because, you know, it was kind of a compromise, you know. I think that's the way in any band, but especially with that band, that's the thing that I was most kind of compromising on was like just kind of accepting the fact that it was like, yeah, we're going to go kind of more straightforward with this part or more for lack of a better term, poppy with a certain part on a chorus
4: or whatever, maybe. You know?
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm cause it's like, I look at all the experiences that we were able to have with that and they were all spectacular and we were able to, you know, accomplish way more than I ever thought we were able to, but it, it definitely felt, it felt like, you know, we, unlike what we were just talking about with the experience that people have with taken like Makoto was very taken or leave it just like right down the middle. People are just like, yeah, you guys were cool. There's very few people that I had the same sort of interactions with. of just like, Oh my God. Like I totally get what you guys are doing. It was very much like, well, that's cool. Yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, before we pass it to Troy, Eric, I wanted to pick your brain too, because you, you know, obviously towards the end of taken you, um, you know, you, you were, I never got the sense that you enjoyed touring as long as we were out uh, a tremendous amount, just because, you know, you are naturally kind of an introverted person. And obviously the, the notion of touring is, you know, you being in front of, not only in front of people, but then around people all the time, you know, how did that like, was that a difficult thing I mean obviously it was a difficult thing Because you know you didn't want to continue to do it From that perspective But how did yeah. that kind of sit in your head um,
7: Yeah I definitely Was having a hard time Like falling into a routine Of it um, And when I joined the band I was kind of like You know Not just moved away Like out of the house But you know I didn't really have a home base For, for couple years and then you know I was fortunate enough to have friends to stay with like you guys but that was a pretty important thing to me that I didn't really realize at the time so yeah I don't know I just uh, I mean I, I had a great time doing it but I don't think I was mentally prepared for it you know <laughs> sure sure uh so yeah, yeah. and you know there's other stuff that was going on, you know, were you know, we're trying to, you know, keep going with the band and grow in a way that, you know, the, where the music industry was going just felt a little bit unnatural for sure. me and for our band, you know, but yeah, all in all that the touring Was amazing and fun But yeah That wasn't
3: my uh, My stick I guess Yeah 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 Well it's And you don't The thing that I always Reflect on with that stuff too And I have many conversations On this show With other people who They exist in that world Where it's like It's the idea of tour to most people that get involved in independent music, like sounds fun because you're just like, dude, I'm seeing new cities and I'm doing all this cool stuff. But then, you know, when you're actually in the middle of it, it's like, you know, it's a lot of obviously waiting around in horrible areas of towns and you're not even really like, you know, you're not experiencing anything. And then on top of that people that the idea appealed to it or the idea appeals to them, but then they're just like, Oh my gosh, like, I don't, I can't have all this human being input constantly and so yeah. you know you're not you're not really like you said, you know you're not many people aren't prepared for that and it's tough. Yeah and you know my upbringing you know also plays into it. I mean I'm an
7: old child, you know small family you know so really right Whoa, like, right. oh, there's people like around <laughs> I got a <us> deal <laughs> all, I, I can't keep up with you guys <laughs> totally
6: totally.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're sitting here. It's like June and you're like, where has the time gone? And everybody's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I gotta like accomplish all these other things. Take a moment, focus on the things that obviously, for one, matter to you. But for two, look back, be like, what have I done well? What have I done not so well? And maybe I can, you know, ask some friends and family for some help. But where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool at your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally, and I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life and be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and entirely suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with licensed therapist, and then boom, you're done. It's great. And then if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch it at no additional cost. So take a moment, reflect on the things you've done, reflect on the things you want to do, and visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Ray.
3: what about uh, what about you from a uh, live music perspective
6: yeah um, I get really fired up to play live um, the opportunity to share your art is amazing and it's exciting it's also vulnerable because I'm not just playing notes uh, on the drums I'm I'm Communicating, you know, from my soul, and uh, so that could be kind of a scary place sometimes. Um, but it's it's all also so fulfilling to be able to share that with people, and it's it's interesting how in a live situation you feed off people's energy, and it's sort of this dialogue of energy and that I'm I'm giving energy as I'm playing and people are uh, reciprocating energy Uh, for instance you know we just played a show in Toronto and there was this guy standing front and center and he had the biggest smile on his face the whole time and every so often I would look at him and his joy would, would infuse me and sort of like energize my playing more and it was this constant sort of um, reciprocal thing and so for me um, playing live is is extremely gratifying that makes
3: sense I mean, the the um, there's many times where it's like you have to either summon your own energy because the room is dead or the crowd doesn't care about you or whatever, and you ha- you just have to like lock into the energy of the other people around you, or you are able to lock into a person in the crowd that's like, oh wow, like they're really feeling it, or um, you know, or it is just like absolutely crazy, people are singing along and stuff like that. But it's uh, you have to be able to learn how to tap sources for whatever the, you know, whatever the scenario dictates, because like, if you're just being like, oh, the only way I can have the good shows, it's like people are going off and it's just like, well, you'll be pretty disappointed. Like 90% of the time, like even if you're in a big band, like there are nights in which if like 75% of the crowd isn't like completely dialed into you, then you're just like, oh, the show is terrible. And it's just like, what? Like you had like 500 people at your show. They were, you know, most of them were really into it. And it's like. So you get used to a certain level, and then some people don't know how, like they forget how to tap into those other elements of that energy that um, you know that, that sometimes gets neglected once a band rises to a certain stature. You know, yeah. Um, Chad, I want to ask you a question. Yes. The um, so you know you experience a lot in regards to you know playing and Taken and then playing in, you know bleeding through, and you had you with a lot of different people um, and you create with a lot of different people in regards to like your graphic design and stuff like that um, what have you, I guess what have you learned about collaboratively working with people when it comes to art because you know, I mean you're, you're a, a, an easygoing dude so it makes sense that you can work with a lot of people but I'm sure it's hard
4: yeah um, well I think, I think touring taught me a lot about Interacting with different people constantly, like Eric said, like <clears throat> you come across people like every night. You know, different kinds of people. It's like whether somebody's like a super chill person that you can like, just have a nice conversation with, or like they're super intense, or um, whatever the situation is. And then obviously, as you're like working with people, um, pe- certain people get like pretty emotional over their work which is great, but I think you have to be able to balance how you show those emotions and kind of detach yourself from it. So it's been, it's a lot of like keeping a balance and just making sure that, you know, I keep a level head in what I'm doing and, and making sure that I can work with all types of people because that's the thing about work in general. Like we, we sort of chose who we wanted to be in a band with and chose to stick around for a long time. But when you're working with other people, especially at a company that you don't own, you don't really have a choice in who you're working with. Um, I've been pretty damn lucky with all the people that I've worked with have been amazing. Um, but I've definitely come across a few people where it's challenging and you just kind of have to, you know, let things like roll off your shoulders a little bit and, um, adapt uh, their working style a little bit and kind of like figure out how you can meet in the middle or you just tell them that they're terrible. They have no idea about art. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I just tell them to start over. (laughs) I think those are my, those are my like
3: working with you and always, you know, seeing how art was created helped me understand people that created graphical things. Because I think that if you don't have any experience with that or you don't work alongside with somebody like that, it it's, like I get frustrated with the feedback that people give other visual artists of being like, Oh, like, could you make it more red? It was like, what sort of feedback is that? Like that? (laughs) I I don't even understand how people can like say something like that. Like they have a a very strong opinion, but they don't even know how to turn it into something constructive. And I'm sure those are,
4: those are real fun conversations for you to have. Oh yeah. It's really great. (laughs) And, uh, and another thing with that too, is like, like you said, I don't think people understand like what goes into it. They see it as, and it is, it's a really fun job and it's incredible to be able to like create something out of nothing. Right. But when people are like, oh, can you just, you know, make me a website? Like that'll just take you like two hours, right? (laughs) Shots together. Or, you know, do this shirt design or do this or that or whatever. And, or pick me out this, like even selecting a font for something is like, I mean, if you, if you care about what you're doing, you have to spend time selecting the right thing or trying things out or like I always tell people like part of my job is really just like moving shit around until it looks good right you kind of like you have a vision in your mind but you kind of have to just try a lot of things and and see what works but um but yeah I think that's been part of my job too that's cool is to be able to like educate people that don't know what goes into it like educate them on, you know, how to give feedback and how to collaborate together to make it the best that we can do. Because yeah, when somebody's like, yeah, man, just change this to like pink or, you know, use papyrus or make the logo bigger or (laughs) whatever. Yeah. So sick. It's like, (laughs) it's super frustrating to a designer or an artist or whatever, but it's also not constructive for that person because you're never going to get the thing that you really Hope to get because that person If you're not super Pumped on what you're working on you're always Just kind of like you're just going to Kind of shit it out a little bit right (laughs) Just phone it in Phone it 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 in a little bit yeah
3: (laughs) Um I want to ask you something Troy The uh I've known you the I've known you the longest because you know We went to high school together and We played basketball together and that's how Essentially we started playing music together The um always had eclectic tastes when it comes to, you know, music in general and like the way that you've, you've always approached, you know, you've always struck me as a, you've always been interested in musicality first rather than, you know, like, Oh, I, I, I really want to be a part of a a scene per se. You know, you like, you didn't, you liked going to shows, but it's not like you were like, Oh man, I want to get to know the ins and outs of (laughs) who's who and who's cool. And like, you've never been that. Um I guess what key, what keeps you focused on that sort of musicality aspect of it when you know it's really easy to get caught up in all the other stuff that exists around that music scene?
6: Yeah, I think I think what you're hitting on is is part of how I'm wired and what I mean is a big part of what makes me tick is, Learning a craft, and uh, I really enjoy trying to take it as far as I can go. And I think the drums um, have probably, I would say, been sort of that that thing, or one of one of the main things for me. Uh, I played the drums for over twenty years now. I've taken Hours and hours and lessons. Um, dabbled in different styles, and uh, the drums and music is is just one of those things that I um, I don't know what the kids are calling it these days: geek out or, or nerd out, or you know, whichever. Yeah. Both, both. Yeah, both. Yeah, so I, I I geek and I nerd out on uh, on the drums, and for me, just. Able to you know um, I'm the kind of person who enjoys um, I do enjoy being with people and uh, I do get life from that but I also get as much life and energy from being alone and working on a craft and trying just trying to improve and get better um, and so I think your point i've been probably more focused on the drums and just getting better and trying to create things that i'm proud of um and that's always i think that'll always be a priority for me over um the genre the scene uh stuff like that um so yeah i think that's just that's just me. Yeah, that's what that's
3: what your focal point is. Yeah, because I mean, I think it's it's obviously there needs to be an element of being a part of it and like contributing and you know getting to know people. And I, I I don't I don't think that's ever been a problem for you know taken from that perspective. But it's like yeah, we definitely we never we never had the luxury of like everybody going to high school together. I mean, you know, me, you, and Nick did, but it's not like we had a huge
8: poor group of
3: people who were into aggressive music it was like us and (laughs) and that was kind of it whereas like you know a lot of the other bands that we kind of came up with you know from 18 visions and uh you know all of those guys like you know a lot of them just like went to high school together um and i'm not saying it was easier for them but they had they definitely had a lot of built-in stuff going on whereas you know we obviously had to find chad and dan via a flyer at a record store as opposed to, Oh dude, like, you know, Chad and Dan are a couple years older. They're seniors when we're freshmen or whatever. Um, but yeah, I doubt you. There's, there's a lot of that. That comes into, I, I, you know, being a part of the scene, but not being completely sucked up by it where you're just, you know, you
6: care about all the drama that exists. Yeah. Dramas can be exhausting, but I just did want to add one more thing. Um, I just wanted to add that uh there is something for me personally um and connected to hardcore music that really resonated and and still to this day does and i think that has to do with there's a certain kind of attitude that comes with hardcore music that um speaks to me that connects with me that I connect with and um, and so I think that intersecting with my love for the craft of the drums um, uh, excited me to and still does to um, to create um, drum parts of music that are maybe more Technical and or aggressive and just just have that that hardcore sort of attitude right. uh, to it, which is really fun. That's cool. Let me
3: pose another question to all of you. Um, I know this is putting you guys all on the spot to come up with some sort of memory, but you know we've all toured in uh, you know varying capacities. Do you have, like, are there, um, whether it's certain shows or certain memories that get triggered, it doesn't have to be something huge. Uh, it can be something really, really small, uh, whether it's positive or negative. Um, because I, I do think, uh, you know, a lot of the conversations I have in this show, it revolve around people either, you know, kind of what Eric and I were talking about, or it's like some people being prepared for tour. And then once they're out there, it's like, oh my gosh, this is nothing like what I thought it was going to be. Um. But, uh, you know, the, the notion of tour is, is still, even to this day, um, hard for a lot of people to wrap their heads around, even that are like super involved, you know? Um, so do you guys, do you guys have, uh, you know, a, a memory or two that kind of, as I, as I set the table for that idea that kind of come up in your head where it's like, oh yeah, like that show I played or like, oh my gosh, I remember just like wanting to walk home after a show or whatever, um, I don't know if any of you guys have a uh, a memory that you'd like to share from that perspective. Um yeah, pretty much how I joined the band was
7: pretty <laughs> which was insane. Special uh you know, you guys were down a guitarist and we had mutual friends and I was lucky enough to be considered and you guys, you know, flew me out to Chicago. <laughs> pick me up and we had a long ride to uh, Wyoming and you know worked on songs and we had like day or two to practice and that whole experience was amazing and just being in such a beautiful place too uh,
3: Jackson Hole Wyoming
7: was insane
5: you mean the
3: van right? you loved the van van, too did you guys
5: play in Jackson
3: Hole? we did
7: Yeah, and we got to spend a few days there. I think. Yeah.
3: We got and to spend July like fourth
1: of July. If exactly, July fourth.
7: Yeah. And I'm yeah, that everything about it, like the town, all the stuff we did around there, playing, you know, my first show with you guys is awesome. So yeah.
3: That's a good one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, I don't remember how like you know, obviously we left our, our, the guitarist that was filling in for us in Canada. Well, we, we didn't leave him there. Like he just, he could not enter the country he was again. Abandoned. Yeah. He was right, abandoned.
5: Yeah. On the side of the road. Uh,
3: yeah. Um, I remember how, incre- like how incredibly frustrating it was. It was just like, I, I remember cause I think, I, I think I dropped him off at the hotel and I was just like, Oh my God, I can't believe that we're going to have to like figure something out. But I don't even like, I don't recall ever discussing anybody else beyond Eric. Like, I don't, I just don't remember. You should be like,
4: Oh yeah, Eric will probably do it do you remember talking to anybody else or like thinking about anybody else? No. Yeah. That was, that was the thing. And what's funny now that you mention it too, is like, I feel like now that we're older, if some shit like that went down, we'd be like so stressed out and we'd have, we're like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? Like freaking out. But I don't remember it being crazy stressful. (laughs) We kind of just knew like, yeah, we're going to like ask Eric and hopefully he's down for it. (laughs) Totally. But I I could be wrong, but it's been so damn long, but I think Eric and I got together before we went on tour possibly, or we talked about you joining or. Yeah. Yeah. Santa
7: Barbara, right? Yes. That's right.
4: So I think we knew it was a possibility and then, um, and then, yeah, we picked up Eric and then him and I sat in the back of the van, just like playing like acoustically (laughs) um, until we got to, to Jackson hole. But yeah, those those were
3: insane circumstances for you to join a band, because <laughs> like I, I mean, it was like we gave you days' notice. It was like, hey, can you? What are you doing on Wednesday? Can yeah. you fly out
8: to Chicago? Yeah,
3: that <laughs> was. We had nuts. To, I remember we had to look at a map to be like, what's the closest airport that we can pick up somebody that is like reasonably priced. And I don't even remember how we looked up flights because that was like you know kind of pre 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 internet yeah yeah. <laughs> That's insane. You must
4: have called somebody, I guess. Yeah, I called the trip oh,
6: <laughs> You, like, paid somebody, I think.
3: Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Good, good memory.
5: Yeah, I think um, some of the best memories don't even involve the shows, really. It's just, like, the times you have sitting in the van BSing or just at, at the shows, but before or after just hanging out with everybody and talking and especially like all the inside jokes I mean just on this little <laughs> miniature run we're doing right now the amount of you know stupid inside jokes that we've been laughing about the whole time I feel like that's what I'm going to remember more than like the actual shows that we played yeah. you know what I mean it's like there's there's some bangers in there oh, yeah. and I'm laughing just thinking about it <laughs> and so those are going to be the most memorable and that's you know from the touring I've done in the past like the Those are the types of things or just like the people you meet, the relationships you have. It's not so much like, you know, granted there's, there was good shows and bad shows and you remember those things. But I think the things that stick with me the most are the inside jokes, the relationships, you know, like those cancer back guys, like, you know, we didn't even, tour with them very long and five days they're like the best dudes on the planet and it's like i get so excited if they're ever in california or if i'm ever anywhere you know gotta see those guys in hangford even if it's just a couple minutes it's just always good to see those guys and it's like those are the most impactful things i think for me about
3: touring is building those relationships and having those jokes totally because i mean it does it does feel like i mean tour is a very weird thing where i mean I, i would compare it to probably how Are done Where it's like You know People are in A certain situation For you know Two months And you become Really close with people Because you're just You're doing the work And you're putting The movie together And then at the end of that It's basically like Alright well See you later And then it's like Everyone goes their Separate ways And then you might not Talk to that person For years But then when you do have the ability to circle back, see them again, they come through your town, you come through their town, whatever the case may be, you kind of pick up where you left off. And I... I know it's so, I mean, I'm sure every single one of you experienced this, like, when you're explaining the notion of, like, staying in other people's houses, or, like, staying with strangers, yeah. pe- most people are just like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, <laughs> you're gonna say, like, the, the person could kill you, and you're just like, well, no, but they're at the show, so why would they... they <laughs> of yeah. course they won't kill us. Yeah. But it's so, so
4: weird. Yeah, it's crazy how times have changed. Yeah, because, like, I, I mean, who knows if bands... I think bands that are doing kind of what we are doing probably do that but a lot of other younger bands are probably like oh no we just get like an airbnb or yeah like a hotel or whatever every night but yeah i think yeah i agree with martin like that's that's probably the best thing is those long well it's the best and worst thing driving (laughs) especially like driving across texas or driving i remember we did one drive from um to say it was like Austin or San Antonio to Minneapolis oh, and it's yeah, horrible. Apparently Troy was allergic to air conditioning at that time, <laughs> so we, we drove overnight and uh, he requested no AC yep. and um, I just remember trying to sleep and waking up just completely drenched <laughs> And like stuck to our sleeping bags just because we were so sweaty. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's like those kind of things, you know, that that are are the memories. And I think when you talk to people that haven't done this before, they're like, that sounds like the worst thing ever. But it's right. like, it's awesome.
3: But you're, you're like, you're like in the moment, it is terrible. It yeah. makes for a great story ten years later. Exactly. But yeah, in the moment, it's it's horrible.
4: Yeah, and the other. I think tonight is something that's going to be pretty amazing for us being like one of the or probably the biggest show we've played right Um, and things like playing CBGB's you know getting to play these venues that are legendary and getting to play a place like New York like at that point I think well maybe some of us had traveled a little bit but I definitely had never been to New York before and that was something on my list that i always wanted to go and we played cbgb's which was amazing and then years later i got to move there and that was always on my list and i think that was something too that was like because of tour i wasn't so like in my bubble and i wasn't so scared to like leave southern california so i think it's yeah a combo of like the memories and getting to play like these iconic venues and different (laughs) bands yeah yeah, yeah, it's awesome what about you troy (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: the hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at highfivecasino.com.
0: high 5 High5 Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at High5Casino.com the High5 Casino If your business needs a new application then developers will have to write code a lot of code
6: Yeah, very similar To Martin I would say Um, It's about the relationships And being on tour You Spend a lot of time With the people That you're on tour with And You You get to connect and you get to see parts of them that you maybe wouldn't see otherwise, and um, you're sharing life together. Uh, Yesterday, driving in the van, we just kind of happened upon a game where uh, we would just go around in a circle and say something like, Okay... What's your favorite? Um, what's your favorite? Uh, you know, um, like heavy band or like heavy song, like just the heaviest song for you. And we turn around and everyone said theirs, and then we would listen to the song. And for me, it's it's just a fun experience, but it's also like I'm I'm getting to know everyone a little bit better, and so it's it's relationship building. And it's connecting, and at the end of the day, that's that's the stuff that I'm going to take with me. Uh, I'm going to take that home with me. I'm going to take that with me for the rest of my life. So, um, there's a lot of fun stuff. There's a lot of downtime, but I think connecting is um, is sort of the bedrock for me. It's um,
3: yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, you guys are all you guys are all hitting on. Topics and feelings That are familiar with people who experience it And I think it's um, The way I look at it It's like every band is its Own little you know, Satellite, like you start to bring in People to your orbit Whether it's like other bands you tour with You know, people that you stay with And it's like as you continue to do that You're, you know, the people you bring in Your orbit, it, it grows larger and larger And I think that when when you actually take the time To, you know Be with people And not just view their relationship As like simply transactional Because it's really easy And we've, ex- I mean I've experienced it And I'm sure you guys can attest to it as well Where like when you tour with a band Where all of their relationships Are, are just transactional Where it's like, oh this person is offering us a place to stay Or, um, you know This person is offering to buy us a beer Or whatever, like there's there's a lot of that going on, but like if there's no uh, follow-up, if there's no actual discussion, or there's no like you're actually watching the opening band or whatever, like you're not, I, you're, you're really not experiencing it. Like you're just you know touring and you're just playing music, and you know to me you're missing a huge chunk of what best part about tour is like of what you guys are all saying where it's like the relationships and the things that you are bringing with you because it's like there. most people you know they're like I'm sure I could go around to all of you and you'd be like how many people do you keep in touch with from like high school you know it's like very very few and most normal people are the same way where you know they have like maybe a few people that they keep in touch with but I'm sure many of us could be like, Oh yeah. Like I remember meeting that person, you know, 15 years ago at a random show and like, yeah, like I, I don't talk to them every day, but they're still my close, you know, I would still consider them a close friend because we, you know, stayed up till two in the morning talking about whatever, you know, cause when we stayed at their house or what have you. And I think that, um, you know, that's something that's pretty unique from this touring and music, music perspective you guys have any other thoughts from that? Nope.
5: (laughs) Yeah, sure. Um, I would agree with that. You know, one, the thing that comes to my mind is like, you know, uh, we had this conversation with my mother-in-law, you know, she's like, Oh, how do you, how do you know these guys? Or how do you know certain people or whatever? And it's like, seems like the majority of all my friends or people that I'm really close with all comes back down to music. You know, it's like people who I've become friends with through music and the actual music part, even though it's important to us, that's like such a footnote, you know, it's like that the music, or if we played together or enjoyed the same music or whatever, it's like, it doesn't really matter, you know, but the actual relationships that were formed because of music are awesome. You know, it's like at our wedding, you know, the majority of my groomsmen were all people I met through music, you know, it's like, those are the long lasting relationships. It's like, and it, it's weird how that happens. And like you said, the ones that you can just jump back into, I've noticed the majority of those are all music people too. You know, it's like you, you see people from high school and you're like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Like what's been up in life? And that's kind of it, you know, yeah. but it's like these, some of these people that you've met on the road and through music, it's like. And you can just jump right in, and
4: it's like yeah. you never miss a step. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's kind of awesome too. I think we're pretty lucky in the scene that we've played in that like everybody for the most part is super cool. Like you don't walk up, you can walk up to somebody, and you know it's like they they were like your best friend from high school or whatever, and and you can just have a good conversation with them. But um, I think it's it's that kind of thing that why we're friends with. You know, people like ten to fifteen years, almost twenty years now down the road. There hasn't been anybody in that we've really come across, maybe a few here and there, but like nobody's like a total dick. And you're like, I don't (laughs) want to talk to that person. You know. Right. Um, So that's kind of an amazing testament to all the to to like the the, to the core, dude. You know (laughs) what I mean? Yeah. Testament to the core. I mean, let's just be honest.
3: Uh, Well the last thing I want to ask all you guys uh, Because everybody always enjoys uh, Funny tour stories In some capacity Um, You know do you guys want to share Some of uh, a funny tour story Or a funny moment that kind of sticks out In your head Something that you always look back on and be like Oh man that was insane I can't believe we experienced that It doesn't even have to be crazy it could just be something That's really funny to you individually
4: Mm -hmm. Troy why don't you go first bud
6: story that comes to mind is, gosh, I don't know when this was. It was a long time ago. Let's figure it out. <laughs> we were in the Astrovan, the green Astrovan.
3: The gr- oh, your oh. Dad,
6: your dad's My sorry. dad's at Astrovan. Yeah.
3: Right. You're, so you're talking about our shows in Northern California and driving back home? Yeah.
6: Oh, God, yeah, yeah. So God, I don't even know if I want to talk about this. It's terrifying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So what I remember is... <laughs> We had to get up <laughs> super
3: early. We stayed up, and we stayed at Chad's brother-in-law, right? That's We stayed at Brian's
6: house. Oh, yeah, Brian's house, in yeah, Santa Cruz. Yeah, we played in Santa Cruz, and yeah, so we stayed at Brian's house. So we had to get up super early. I forget why, it doesn't matter. But point is, we're all very tired, and we're in this uh, green Astro van, my dad's car, and... In the back, of course, is is just packed with all our gear, and um, Why we, we didn't. T- t- it, who and I? I'm just trying to remember.
3: But Chad, like you got you and did you and Dan drive separately in another car? Like I don't even
6: remember how you guys. No, no we were all in, in one car. Wait, what? And we no, we weren't. It was me. Yeah, it was me, you, and Nick. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you Guys, I
3: think we were staying in San Francisco, maybe. Yes, you were staying up in Northern
6: California. Anyways, yeah. but so uh, there actually wasn't enough seating for me and you, Ray and Nick. Yep. And so we had a makeshift seat. Ray was driving, yep. Nick was in this makeshift seat. In the front of the in ass, the right? front, and then I'm in the passenger seat. We're driving down the highway, all of a sudden we hear sirens. <coughs> and we ended up getting pulled over by a policeman. And he came up on my side and you know, I have allergies, especially in the morning. I'm all, you know, congested and snotty and and the guy, you know, we roll down the window, he looks at me, and um he was convinced that we were on drugs and we were not (laughs) but he was convinced and so he put his finger up in front of my face (laughs) and told me to look at his finger and to follow his finger and I was honestly so tired that I was discombobulated, I so I didn't really understand what he was asking me to do. So instead of instead of looking at and following his finger, I my eyes were looking at his eyes, <laughs> just staring. at So in the face. that did not help my case uh, <laughs> against his uh, you know notion that we were uh, doing drugs while driving. And so I remember he made us take. He made us unload the van, like, take all the stuff out, and... No, I don't no, no, no. he... Oh, that he, was a threat. That was a threat. That, yeah, That's he, right. right yeah. Thank you. It's okay. Uh, and he made... Well, I'll let, I'll let you tell this part. So he, he walks up to Ray... And then what, what does yeah, do he do to so you? He,
3: so I'm, I'm shitting bricks by this time because I'm just like, we're screwed. Like, Troy just failed this test so miserably. He had no idea what was happening. And this guy, he, he's, he's out for us. Like, he wants to take us in. And I remember he had um, – he was uh, – well, his was line – a breathalyzer? No, his line was – like, you know, after we start, after I was telling him, like, oh, we played a show. We're just heading back to, you know, Orange County. Um, you know, I, I think I, I think it was, you know, had you been drinking? Had, you know, done any drugs? And I was like, no, like, you know, we're straight edge. Like, we don't, you know, we don't do any of that. And then um, he, after after we go through all that and you're testing everything, he pulls me out of the car and we go out, not pulls me, but, like, he asked me to go out of the car and we're standing in front. And I remember, I totally remember this line. He was just like... He was like, so, so you mean to tell me that you guys haven't been drinking or doing any drugs? And I was like, no, officer. And he's like, bullshit. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, we're screwed. We are absolutely screwed. And I was I, I I just kept pleading with the officer. I was like I we did not. I promise you. And he's like, so you expect like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna search that van, and we for sure are gonna find weed. And I'm like I I assure you, we can do that. But it, it's not you're not going to yield. Well, yeah, like I would say this, you're not going to yield any results. And I didn't say that, <laughs> but I was just like, you're not gonna find anything. And then ultimately, after just like pleading and pleading, and in my in the back of my head, I'm just like, this cop hasn't said anything about Nick not even sitting in a real seat.
6: That was the that was the strangest part, to be honest.
3: I was like, there's no way any human would ever have been like, oh, you know what? Like, yeah, that makes sense. There's a front bench minivan that got made. <laughs> it made no sense whatsoever. But then he finally let us go. I, I can't even remember if I got a ticket. I think
6: he may have given me. Him- ticket i can't recall well and then he said his parting his parting word was when you drive off (laughs) just make sure to throw the drugs out the window (laughs) and it was very frustrating so fast forward hours later we get to my house my dad is home i tell my dad what happened and my dad he was a he was a cop and um he said wow well it's a good thing he didn't search the van and I said well, what do you mean dad he said because my gun was in there <laughs> I just
3: like my I was like "I, I we could have been arrested because like what was what's the cop going to say be <laughs> like hey why did you guys tell me you had a firearm in the car uh, because we didn't know it was in there sure clink locked up see you later yeah, that was horrible. Oh man, for life. All right, who's who, who's got another funny uh, funny memory, if anybody? What uh, you got? funny memory. Um, uh,
7: s- small silly one. Nick Beard tracking bass, shirtless. Is a good <laughs> <end>. <laughs> um, was yeah,
3: that for? I think that's for the EP between the, two and scenes? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, because Bo's studio was in his garage and it was like the hottest thing ever, right? Or yeah, he just took and, his shirt off
7: You know, we thought it was hilarious when he did anything shirtless yeah. so. <laughs>
4: Shirtless wonder, I believe they used to call him, right? Shirtless well, wonder be-
3: yeah. Because he, had, he has a, uh, a, a concave chest You can eat, cereal, you could eat out cereal out of it It's like a bowl in his chest So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was always good when he took his shirt off I probably can't do it justice,
7: but uh, the whole uh, bat hunting thing in, in
3: Vegas was pretty rad. <laughs> the uh, yeah, we we were our our sister band was Curl Up and Die, and we would always go out to Las Vegas, and they had this ridiculous thing called bat hunting, in which they took us out to the middle of the desert. Oh, I'm not. They took us out to the middle of the desert, and they made dry ice bombs. And threw them into a like storm drain, and then this is the middle of the night, and you know bats are hanging out there, and so then the dry ice bomb would explode in this two-liter soda bottle, and then bats would fly out, and everybody would say, "Oh my gosh, it's amazing!" And it was like so, well, I mean, yeah, pretty dangerous because you
4: could have blown off your hand if you did did it wrong, but yeah, that was always fun. <laughs> um, so I remember one. That's real early on Um, There's a couple funny stories Within this The fact that our first tour Was What four weeks long Four shows I believe Um, And we set out In This Dodge Van but it was a tiny van It was like all we really had room for Was us five And maybe our suitcases in the back So we took We took Nick's Dad's like camper trailer As like our Trailer for our equipment And We thought it would be a good idea to do that And then we would camp along the way Rather than like Stay at people's houses because we didn't know anybody At this time So First we play you know Orange County Chain Reaction, maybe it was public storage then I don't know um, And then we go to Vegas Play Vegas Hang out with the Curl Up and Die dudes for like Four or five days <clears throat> And then we drive across the country To uh, Blacksburg, Virginia where we play a show <clears throat> And then we play a couple other shows And I'm pretty sure it was his first tour Maybe it was the second one But I really only remember bringing that trailer The first time Yeah we only brought it one time.
3: Cause yeah. It was a t- it was horrible. Like, we had to load equipment. We had to, like, load Nick's base refrigerator cabinet yeah. in the aisle, which was, like, it was, like, the worst <laughs> game of Tetris possible. <laughs>
4: yeah. It was so stupid. And so I think we were driving through Pennsylvania, maybe, I don't know, like, middle of nowhere Pennsylvania. And we're just cruising. Everything's fine. All of a sudden, we just hear this gnarly noise, and we're like, what? What? The hell is going on so we pull over to the side of the road and we look under the van and the drive shaft fell off the van <laughs> completely and so we're just like sitting there like what what what, what do we do i don't know so somehow i guess we called the cops and so we're like sitting there standing on the side of the road. And I'm sure it didn't happen like this, but we always like to remember it this way, that some cop like just drives up like 100 miles an hour to us, slams on the brakes, and almost hits us. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, is this you guys?
6: His name was Herman.
4: Uh, Herman style. Like Super Trooper style, yeah. Right. And uh, so then, of course, we have to detach the trailer. We have to get the van and the trailer and everything towed. And I think, I think we were pretty lucky that that was the only ridiculous uh, kind of van situation that we had. I mean, a couple, like, blown tires and whatever, or flat tires here and there, but nothing, like, crazy. But just the fact that we managed to take the drive shaft off the van and were idiots and took this uh, camper trailer with us was just comical. It was, There's plenty it, of others, but it wasn't. It,
3: like, in that that trail, the real whole reason the drive shaft fell off is because that was not meant to tow that for that prolonged period of time. Yeah, I mean, it was a tiny van. It was like <laughs> practically a minivan. <laughs> it was. Yeah, great, great ideas though. But we thought we we thought we were so smart.
4: We were just like, dude, we're gonna kill it. I'm pretty this sure is like, a, this is the best. I'm pretty sure we only camped. A, no, maybe we did a couple of, like KOA campgrounds or whatever. The only one I remember, I think we did one
3: in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah. Maybe. I could be completely wrong, I think that's right. I don't know. I think that's right. That's a good one, though. Yeah. Youth. So stupid. Oh, yeah. Children on tour.
5: (laughs) So I think uh, one of the funniest stories that I remember, it's it's sad, but it's also funny. (laughs) It's sad because of just the guys, you know, that they have this mentality. But it was funny because of the delivery and the situation. So we were in... Idaho. We played in Boise and then uh, we saw that the Boise River had inner tubing rentals where you can rent an inner tube and just like float down the Boise River for a couple miles and get out at the other end. And so a few of us were like, Yeah, let's do this. It was the middle of summer, it was super hot, that sounded like a great idea. So we rent the inner tubes and we started heading down the river and it was a nice leisurely ride. And we said, okay, Ray, pick us up in the van, like, two miles down the river at the drop-off point. You know, they say it takes about, you know, half hour or whatever to float down the river, so pick us up down there. So even though it was summertime, the river was still freezing cold... And our friend Brent is, like, the most slender guy you've ever met. And he has no built-in uh, wetsuit. And so he was he was literally turning blue uh, on the river. And then we got out, and we're standing there. And it's like, you, you can't really take stuff with you when you're going floating down a river in an inner tube. So we're just standing there on the side of the road in our trunks. And there's three of us. And we're just standing there for a long time waiting for the van to come pick us up. And... As we're standing there, just on the side of a busy road, this uh, old T-top like Thunderbird convertible kind of deal goes rolling by real slow, and we we all look at it. And there's a guy hanging out of the window, both of his arms like hanging out the window, staring at us like with a really grim look on his face. And we're Whoa look at this guy And he just shakes his head real slow Like lowers his eyebrows And goes Fucking faggots
1: (laughs) (laughs) And we were just like What? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking faggots What what did we do? (laughs) What's what's happening? (laughs) We were just standing there on the side of the road (laughs) He,
5: he was disgusted with us. You know, arms, his elbows were like hanging out the, the window, <laughs> just shaking his head with his like, oh this gosh. like angry look on his face. And he was just disgusted with us. <laughs> dude, and we're just like, oh man, so I'll never forget you really that, dude. Didn't say anything about that. <laughs> no, no. We we're just like shocked. <laughs> and then instantly just started laughing. And then it was like the rest of that tour was just like, <laughs> everything was just like, oh, you fucking bastard. <laughs> You know.
8: So bad, I can't, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, that's what I
5: mean. It's like I can't believe people actually like yeah. feel that way. Right. That's right. the sad part. But it was just like, oh my god, the delivery. Like that guy he really got say, us.
3: Probably could have said anything, really. Yeah. Oh my god, unbelievable. Yeah, I, do, I I completely forgot about that, but no, I, I definitely remember <laughs> yeah. because I was like, you guys are idiots. That's freezing, I have no no <laughs> desire to do that. I was like, I'll pick you up, dum dums. <laughs>
4: what about you, Ray? Um, or funniest, if you will.
3: Yeah, I don't. Um, I have a hard time remembering, f- like, particular funny instances. I think it's. Uh, well, do you have one, Eric? Uh, no, you go, you go. I'm trying. I'm. I'm. I'm trying to think of one in which I put you on the spot. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. Well, I, remember, I mean, I remember when this was. Well, in retrospect, it's funny, but I, you remember when we went out to Texas to play that show? That one show it was a fest. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's horrible. So like, we were promised it was this random fest that was going on in some small ass town in Texas, and it like n- none of it made sense because it was like all of these bands were playing, and this was really predated many festival ideas. So it was, you know, way before, you know, sounded Fury. This is hardcore. This was like 2000, I don't know, three, maybe two. So there's just a bunch of bands playing and uh, we got asked to play and he gave us an absurd guarantee. It was like, you know, I'll give you like, it was like three, four thousand. it was so much money. I was like, what? And it's like, I was looking at the gas prices. I was like, dude, it's going to take us like $300 in gas. Like we can't say no to this. So we went out there, played the show. It was with a bunch of just bands that, you know, like, Bear Your Dead, Hoods, like bands that did, we did not belong unearthed alongside. Did. Unearthed it. Yes, you're right. And, like, the show was cool. I mean, there was an okay amount of people. It was a really weird room. Um, Chad was deathly ill. Yep. Like, you, you got sick on the way out there, didn't you? <clears throat> well,
4: so we got offered that. And then I think a day before I started getting sick, And I ended up with like 103 degree temperature That's right And then I was like dude I don't think I can go And you're like it's fine Or like all of you guys are like it's fine (laughs) You're like we'll just be in the van Like we'll put some ice on you It's cool like you'll break your temperature It's fine Not to interrupt you but that that was actually One part of my stories that I was thinking of too And uh So we're in the van driving for what How long like 10 hours or whatever Oh yeah it took forever did not break my temperature. We get there, and then now it's 105 degrees. <laughs> so you guys bad. are like, it's cool, like just play the show. <laughs> the temperature <laughs> totally. up You'll sweat it out, bro. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that was it. We'll sweat
4: it out. <laughs> and then we go and play, and yeah, show is fine or whatever. I we get done 106 degrees now. <laughs> I'll let you continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how are you alive? Well, no, yeah, they barely. I'm pretty sure you guys took me to the
3: emergency we room. We did take you to the emergency room. And the, the, so yeah, we were dealing with that. And then on top of that too, you know, midway through this fest, the word, the hubbub started to, uh, you know, happen with the fact was like, Hey, this promoter isn't here. Like everyone was like, wait, how much was your guarantee? Like, wait, they're going to pay $8,000 like to a band that is like not worth anything from that perspective. I mean, basically every, like he was just promising the world. And so then bunch of bands were just like you know some bands just like gave up and they left and there were other bands that were just like like one in particular hoods so mikey hood uh who's a you know notorious figure from northern california hardcore and you know a a extremely nice gentleman but you know if you're on his wrong side that's that's a that's a horrible side to be on and so i remember conversing with him as we're also trying to prevent chad from dying we, uh, he was like, we found out his address. Like we were going to go to his hotel and beat the shit out of him. And I'm like, well, we'll go to the hotel. I'm going to have no part in beating anybody up. But like, if you're going to do that, could you like, you know, take, take some hundreds from him or something? It was, I was basically like, could you get our money for him? Totally. It was like, dude, we'll just take whatever overflow you take from him. <laughs> and so I remember going to the hotel, just like parking the parking lot. And I went in and like, I just waited in the lobby as Mikey hood. And like, you know, a few other people <laughs> went up there to intimidate the hell out of him. And then, you know, just waiting there being like, all right, well, if I see the police come in, like, I know that I'm just going to head straight to the van. And then he, uh, you know, he ended up coming down and you know, he just like put, he was like, here's 400 bucks. And I was like, awesome. Thanks, man. <laughs> and then, then, we, I think, I think at that same time we also took you to the emergency room and yeah, we, we took care of it. But I just remember being so like, yeah, it was worth awesome. it. Right oh it's totally worth it i mean <laughs> totally. we basically broke even and then i got a ticket on the way home too it was great it was, oh yeah it
4: worked out perfectly i believe i believe juan uh was tending to me after the show like pouring ice over me <laughs> he basically went to go get ice and i was like this is the most ridiculous shit ever a he's a good son oh yeah i became his father actually that's another good story yes um we had to go to Canada and this What was he like 17 at that time yep. He must have been So in order to go to Canada To another country he had to Have his guardian with him So his dad signed over His guardianship to me <laughs> So I was his dad For I don't know four days or something So he just called me dad so it was great Still calls me dad to this day That's absolutely spectacular
3: Well I think um, I think we did it guys way to share your stories way yeah. to uh, have some fun with this. And um, yeah, this is, this is what it's like hanging out in the van, except uh, we have microphones now. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks guys. Dude. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw podcast network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.
1: <clears throat> the show is sponsored by better help.